So today we're going to continue our series in the beautiful attitudes of Jesus by discussing what it means to be pure in heart. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 today. And I want to begin our talk today with this thought. We live in a society that has become solely focused on the image that they put forth to the world. Not on the substance of who they are, but the image that they put out to the world. You remember the advertising slogan for Canon cameras? They had this slogan out, that image is everything. And we've really incorporated that as a culture. We do great lengths to present a certain image to everyone. For the example, the word makeover. Makeover has become a standard term in our vocabulary. For Cosmetic surgery has become a big business with both the very young and the very old taking advantage of the ability to shape their look into all kinds of very unique and in some cases even grotesque fashions. There's a woman out there that has actually gone through so many plastic surgeries she literally looks like a Barbie doll right now. She has done everything she can to her body to make herself look like a Barbie doll. I thought that was very interesting and and kind of sad in a way. Social media, the the advent of social media has really, really made this to come to the forefront with everybody as everybody fashions their Facebook, their Instagrams, their Twitter accounts to make it look like they're the smartest, the coolest, the prettiest, the sexiest, whatever image they're trying to put forth, they they make that the image that, um, that you see of them. And I heard about a product last week that took this idea of image in a direction that I had never expected. And it came from an advertisement that said, imagine you're a guy that lives in the middle of a big city. But you want to project an image to people that you're an outdoors kind of guy. You're not just some city guy, some city slicker. You are a guy that likes to go out and get dirty. You go out and you hunt. You go out and you, you fish. You take that big pickup truck you own and you take it off-road and go mudding. You take, matter of fact, you're such a man, you go out to the farm and help bale hay just for fun. They go, that, this is the kind of image that you want to project. So if that's you, I have the product for you. The product is called Spray on Mud. And you can get this from Amazon. It's a can of pressurized mud that can be sprayed on your truck or your SUV to give the appearance that you've been way out in the woods or or somewhere and you've been off-road. It just makes your car and truck dirty. And according to the company's website, spray on mud will give your friends, family, and neighbors the impression that you just got back from a day of going and shooting guns in the woods or, or fishing or visiting friends that lived on the farm or, or out mudding with your truck. You know, the kind of manly stuff that men want to be known for. And that way you won't have to admit that your, your day was actually spent driving a minivan and, and shuffling your kids back and forth to the mall. No, you're a man's man. You were out in the country. We all do these kind of strange things sometimes to make the outside of our lives project a certain image, even though the reality is sometimes very much different. And one of the images that many people in our culture flee from today is the idea of purity. This idea is mocked in our culture. It's laughed at. It's ridiculed. And it shows that anyone who's trying to live a pure life, it's, it's somebody that's out of touch. They're a nerd. They're, they're just the geek. They're the person that you don't want to hang around. And it's ridiculed because they're not living life to their fullest. 
I haven't seen this movie, but I know that there's one out there called The 40-Year-Old Virgin. And it's, about a, it's a movie about a man who has never dated a woman, he's never been with a woman, he's never been intimate with women, and his friends are trying to hook him up and, and get him out on dates to, to solve this so-called problem that he has of being a 40-year-old virgin because he was pitied and he's not a true man because he doesn't have all these notches in his head poured. And not surprisingly, the Bible has a very different viewpoint from what the world does about this um, situation. Purity is a condition that you and I need to be able to see God. And the ability to see and fellowship with God is really the whole point of our existence. It's the reason God created us was to be in fellowship with him. And that's why all the Beatitudes, every single one of them have been leading up to this one, the idea of being pure in heart. If this was a musical number, if this was like a symphony that something created, all the Beatitudes have been building up and building up and building up, and now the crescendo is about to happen. Right now the symbols are about to be clashed at the crescendo of, of where this, these Beatitudes are going because of its goal, and that is to see God. It started out in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, when Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall see, receive mercy. And today's beatitude we want to look at is blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's pray. Father God, I want to take this time this morning and just refresh in all of our minds the idea that you are a God that wants to be in intimate fellowship with us. You are a God that wants us to draw near. You are a God that wants you to be part of everything in our lives. And therefore, let us see what you require of us to come near, Lord. This idea of purity. This idea of purity is not a legalistic thing. It is a matter of the heart. A heart that desires to want to be with you, God. Help us to see that through the reading and study of your word this morning. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Every story that we read, whether it's a novel, whether it's a TV show, whether it's a radio program that's telling a story, every single story has some type of conflict within it that needs to be resolved. And if you were to summarize the entire biblical history's conflict into one word description, it would boil down to one word, and that is purity. The purity of the human race to live up to what they were created for, and that was to see and fellowship with God. If you consider with me for a moment, it's the loss of purity that made Adam and Eve make covering for themselves. It was a loss of purity that is the chief aim of every sin that the devil has ever devised and concocted. The loss of purity is what drove Jesus to the cross to restore in us when, so we can be born again. 
But this word has suffered some violence in our world. It's become, it's become something that is cast aside. It's become something that is mocked. It's, because, it's become something that is undesirable in our culture. And even those of us who know better probably have a little bit of a tarnished view of what it means to be pure in God's eyes. So let's define it the way that Jesus meant it here in Matthew chapter 5. And let's look at what is purity. Well, the word purity in Greek, the language that Jesus was speaking here, has a very significant meaning that helps us understand the breadth of what he was saying. The Greek word that Jesus uses for pure in this case is katharos. It's the root word of the English word cathartic. In medicine, a cathartic medication is one that purges or cleanses you. In psychology, it means to purge all those negative emotion and obtain a clearness or peace about what is troubling you. Let me illustrate this in, in a way that's probably everyone here has probably experienced because everybody here at some point or another likes to drink coffee. How many people here have a home coffee maker? Just about everybody here has a home coffee maker, right? If you use a home coffee maker every single day or several times a day for a number of months, it seems to take longer and longer and longer to brew a pot of coffee in it, doesn't it? Depending on what kind of water you're using. And it's because the lime and other minerals in our tap water react to being heated to near boiling temperatures and they start to adhere themselves to the inner plumbing of that coffee maker. And it clogs it and it slows it down. And over time, the coffee it produces because much, becomes much more bitter, much more strong, and sometimes, again, depending on what kind of water, it even tastes a little metallic. And the purity of that coffee and what flows out of the coffee maker is affected by what is accumulating on the inside. So every few months you need to do a descaling of your coffee maker. Maybe you buy a product in the store to run through it or you just use simple vinegar and you let it sit and then run a few flushes through your coffee maker and it's, it's like brand new. Married guys, that's what your ladies have to do to keep your coffee maker running. I know all the guys are looking at me like, we'd have to do that? Yes, you do. Your, your wives probably do it for you. You and I are like that coffee maker. In our case, what clogs our system or what makes us taste bad to the world is, comes in through what enters into our minds and what enters into our spirits. Every single day, information passes through our eyes, comes in our ears, comes in through our senses, and is processed by our brains. And most of this information is processed and discarded. For example, if you drove any distance here, you would notice the cars around you. You would notice if there's traffic. You would notice if there's kids playing on the side of the road and that you have to be careful to make sure they don't run out in front of you. Or if you're driving at night and you're driving along and you see two beady little lights up ahead of you, you know that's probably a deer getting ready to play kamikaze and jump in front of you, right? We, we process all those, that kind of information. Now, if I asked you how many cars did you see on your drive here this morning... Could you answer that question? No, because you don't need to remember that kind of stuff. Your brain just processes it and tosses it aside. Now consider the information that gets put into our head by living in this constantly and visually stimulating world. We see billboards, we see advertisings on TV or computers or phones. Check out 
um, gossip magazines. We just we have all this information constantly coming into our brains, and we think it doesn't affect us, but it does. There's a, a couple ladies at work that were discussing a, a power couple in Hollywood, and they're going through a divorce and everything, and. And they were talking about, I wonder why they're getting a divorce, and well, I heard that he smokes too much, or I heard that she uses drugs, and I heard this and that, and everything else. And immediately in the back of my mind, something I saw in a supermarket checkout line that I didn't even really concentrate on popped into the back of my head, and it came out my mouth what that gossip rag's opinion was of the situation. And I'm like, where did that even come from? It just All this garbage just gets heaped up and put into our minds. If we consider the information that we purposely look at, TV, radio, work-related information, all the information that comes in, all this is like tap water that deposits junk into our spiritual coffee makers. And in this, but in this case, this affects the purity of our hearts. It affects the purity of our minds, the purity of our spirits. And if unchecked, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to purge this out, it produces within us a bitter spirit. And that's why the definition of purity is so important to us this morning. And the biblical definition of purity has to do with having a catharsis or a purging of that junk so that we can see God. 1 Corinthians 13 says it said that we see as through a mirror darkly, but someday we'll see face to face. We see an imperfect vision of God right now. And that image of God is darkened by all the impure things in our life. And that is why Jesus is calling us to purity. And he's asking us to allow the Holy Spirit to purge everything within our, that's in our lives that is not pure and purge it out of our system. Because if there's ever a time that we need to see a God with pure vision, it's today in America. If there's ever a, a time that we need God's manifest presence back in our lives, it is right now in this time and place. Over the last 20 years, the American church has been struggling with a question that we're asking, why isn't God raising the dead anymore? Why isn't God doing miracles in the church? Why aren't people coming in and getting saved? Why does the church have so little influence? We can't even, why can't God fix what's broken in people's lives at the altars anymore? And it's largely because we have lost the drive to be pure before him. And where did that desire for purity go? Well, we got sacrificed on the altar of convenience and the altar of being comfortable. We traded in holiness and purity for church growth. We exchanged discipleships for programs. We allowed children's sports to compete with Sunday morning church, and we showed our kids that church doesn't matter. And I have to be honest with you, when I, when I was making this part of the message, I had tears flowing in my eyes because I realized that is true in my own life sometimes. And I expect that with all of us, it's true to some degree in all of our lives. We all need this revival of the idea of purity in our lives. And to do that, we're going to have to be willing to be uncomfortable sometimes. To do that, we're going to have to be willing to be inconvenient sometimes. To do that, we're going to have to be willing to be stretched to new limits with Jesus. Because all of those who choose to be pure 
in God's eyes are going to have to go through this time of catharsis, of purging the bad out so that true life can come back in. And to be clear, positionally, when you're saved, you're, you're completely clean upon giving your lives and hearts to Jesus and becoming his disciple. The blood of Jesus, it pays for all of our sin, all of our impurity. The Holy Spirit comes in, he gives us that good scrubbing so that God looks at us. All he sees is Jesus and his purity. But practically, down, and practically I mean down to where we live every day, this cleansing is called this progressive sanctification. And in English, it means that it's a desire to allow the presence, or excuse me, allow the process of being made holy and pure and into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And when we surrender to Jesus and become his disciple, the Holy Spirit comes in and he takes up residence. He rolls up his sleeves. He starts scrubbing us from the inside out. And this cathartic cleansing is done so that we are made into his likeness. And then we can show Jesus to the world. It's like the Christmas carol says, Adam's likeness now efface, stamp thine image in its place. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is. And it starts with a desire of the heart that is willing to be made pure. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And that is why the condition of our heart is the key to having purity before God. Our heart direction affects how pure we're going to walk before Him. You know, several of you have noticed that the shed and some of the exterior of the church has been painted and repaired over the last few weeks. And Conrad and Keith have been working hard to make the outside of our building look good, and it's starting to look really nice. But to do that, they needed the correct materials. For example, if they had just used any piece of wood to repair some of the shed, they'd be out there next year repairing it again. The, the wind and the, and the snow and everything else would get in there and rot it out very quickly. Or if they had not prepared and used, uh, the wood they painted or they used exterior or interior paint versus exterior, it's not going to last long against the temperature and the moisture and the wind that we experience here in the Cooley region. region. Well, that same principle applies to how we guide and guard our heart. We're going to focus on that for the next few minutes. It is the crux of living a pure life before God. Show of hands. How many people here have heard the following words right before somebody makes a huge mistake and ruins their life? I need to follow my heart. Anybody ever heard that before somebody wrecks their life? Or my heart is telling me I need to do this right before they train wreck and, and like smash up their life. Or if you take the same idea and you apply it to our immediate world, how many appeals do we hear from the talking heads either on radio or TV or in politics deal with only the emotional impact of a subject versus the logical or objective truth of the matter. It's all emotion. It's all emotion today. You don't hear much objective truth in the news anymore. It's all emotion. It's all infotainment. It's, it's no matter what newspaper, no matter what article, no matter what uh, magazine or website you get it from, it's all slanted one way or another. A week ago Saturday, 
As a country, we experience one of the worst mass shootings in modern history. And it's horrible. And my heart aches for what we have become as a society. 59 people shot and killed while attending a country music concert, and hundreds more wounded in the shootings and the stampedes and, and people running and all that that followed. Politicians on both sides are screaming for gun control as the solution to the problem. One late night host even said as he was sobbing on the air that if we don't believe in gun control, we're okay with the mass killings of people. As I watched a video of his alligator tears, and I have no, I have no doubt he was sincere, but I wondered if he cries over the 3,000 deaths that occur each day in this nation from abortion. We lose as many people per day to selfishness and irresponsibility in this country as we did in the September 11th attacks. And we went to war over that. But we're allowed, we allow ourselves to stay silent over the Holocaust that happens every day. But they would tell us they're just following their hearts. Let me give you God's view of the human heart. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Biblically speaking, the heart is the seat of your emotions, your will, and your desires. It is by nature wicked as a result of the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden. And that's why the undercurrent or the implied message of what Jesus is telling us here is blessed is by saying, blessed are the pure in heart is this. You cannot follow your heart. You must lead your heart. You must surrender control of your heart to the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And that is why purity in heart is only found in a person that gives the reins of that heart to the Holy Spirit to allow it to guide it, or him to guide it. What are some practical steps to get to purity? Our desire to see God determines the direction of our hearts. That has to be our first desire in life. But let's ask a man who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart about what it takes to enter into God's presence and favor and to be able to see God. David writes in Psalm 24, verse 3, he asks a question. He said, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, talking about actually walking uphill to Jerusalem to the Temple Mount. Who shall ascend that hill? Who shall go and see God? Who shall stand in this holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, that person will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, of those who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And David puts in a Selah right there. Selah means to pause and meditate what has just been said. So let's do that this morning. Let's meditate and take that apart a little bit of what David said. There are four things listed here in this psalm that helps us to lead our heart. Number one is clean hands. Let me illustrate that this way. Every three or four months in the hospital, we have to go through a training of how and when to wash our hands. 
every three or four months, we have to actually go to a sink with somebody watching and wash our hands in front of them. To, and they have to make sure that we are doing it correctly. Why was this so important? Why are we going through something that we had to learn in kindergarten, for crying out loud, and we have to do this as trained and licensed medical professionals every three or four months in front of somebody to make sure we're doing it right? Why is it important? Because we don't want to spread illness. Most people have heard about the bacterial infections that are a huge health problem in, in the healthcare setting. But as, as bad as, as those are, as bad as, as, the, as the antibiotic resistant bacteria are, it's far worse in infectious disease, the far worse thing are viruses. A bacteria enters your body, and you have one bacteria here. It splits in half. It grows big enough, splits in half, and then those two split in half, and that's how it grows. It just keeps, those things just keep splitting. A virus goes into your body and enters a cell and reprograms that cell and turns it into a virus replicating factory. It replicates itself thousands and thousands and thousands of times inside that cell until the cell walls can't hold it anymore. That cell disintegrates and all those viral particles go and invade more cells and, and keep spreading unless your immune system catches up to it. So viruses are even more scary sometimes than those bacteria. And that's why we have to be very attentive of how clear our hands are in a practical setting in a, in a setting like healthcare. So, but why does the Bible focus on this idea of clean hands? It's for the same reason. Clean and pure hands will not spread sin. Sin is like that viral particle. It enters into us and it starts changing us on the inside until it blows up and it spreads its disease to other people. And that's why this idea of secret sin is really a lie. There is no such thing as secret sin. Sin always spreads. Sin always affects other people. Sin always leads to death if it is not dealt with. Our sin is like a, a our sin lives within us like a little terrorist cell. You shouldn't reason with a terrorist cell. You shouldn't negotiate with it. You don't pay it off. You terminate a terrorist cell with extreme prejudice. You have no mercy. You cut that sin out of your life. And that should be the heart cry of everyone. And it should be part of our daily prayer is give us clean hands again, O oh God. The second thing that David pointed to is a pure heart. We spent a lot of time that here or with that today, but it bears repeating. A clear heart or clean heart is one that has no trace of self attached to it. It's somebody that is totally and completely surrendered to God. In other words, if you have been truly born again, you have died to your old ways, to your old life, and you're now living for Jesus and Jesus alone. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 in the Living Bible, it says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, with impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. God, give us a pure heart again that flees from these very things. Number three is the thing that David said is not lift up his soul to what is false. 
This idea of lifting up refers to what we worship. Worship is simply ascribing worth or value to something. And for the Christian, there should be only one thing of value in your life, and that is Jesus. And when we yield to the Holy Spirit, He will continue to make that a reality within us as we follow the way of the cross. The fourth thing David says is that he does not lie. And this idea of having no lies is both verbal and behavioral. Obviously, verbally lying is never okay. And I know when we're married, it gets tricky when your wife asks you the question, does this make me look fat? Guys, I have no answer for that. Because no matter what you say, you're going to be wrong. That's why we need a prayer life. But in all seriousness... Our words and how we live our lives are the proof to ourselves, they're the proof to the world, they're the proof to our families, they're the proof to our neighbors, everyone we come in contact with, and most importantly, proof to God of answering the question of who do you serve. Those are a few of the practical ways from David of how we can lead our heart into a pursuit of purity before God. Let's finish our talk today with the reward of purity. The reward is simple. You will, you will, it's the emphatic tense of the Greek, exclamation point, capital letters, in bold, underline, you will see God. That should be all we need. But as people who probably haven't quite made it to that pinnacle of faith, let me give you two practical rewards you'll see in your life. Number one, you will see God in knowing who you are in Him. I found a great quote from Mark Twain concerning this topic. Mark Twain said, The two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. That's a powerful statement because most people spend their entire life chasing after a false dream of fulfillment and happiness. They may have been Christian, but they've been grasping at all the things of the world, only to find that they're like a a vapor or a fog that they keep trying to hold in their hand. And they have to wait until death to find out that it was all worthless and it should have been found in a pursuit of Jesus and His righteousness and His will for your life. Don't be that person that has to wait till the end when it's too late to change to discover that God has a plan for your life. And he wants you to find it and he wants you to live in it. And number two, you will see God and his power flow again in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, and in your church. We will see the manifest presence of God again among us. A few minutes ago, I asked that question why don't we see that? Why don't we see the miracles? Why has the church lost its influence? Why does it seem like we're living a defeated version of Christianity? And it's because we lost that desire for purity. And in the Bible and within the AG, we talk a lot about holiness. Holiness is just purity in practice. That's all holiness is. It's a heart that has a desire for God and Him alone. And the Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they will, they will see God.